Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Atlanta Man podcast. I am your host, Ryan Rogers, and on today's episode, we'll be discussing the trade deadline, which took place on Friday. We'll be discussing the moves that the Braves did make and the moves that the Braves didn't make. We'll also be discussing the NBA draft and what the Hawks did during Thursday's draft, and they also made a trade of their own. But first, We'll get into the Braves and all the trade deadline acquisitions that they made. Uh, But first, I'm going to talk about how they did during the week in the actual games. Uh, They took three out of two from the Mets in the big five-game set, which um, was a a good outcome because they won the series, but you would like to get a little bit more of that, maybe win four out of five if you could. They definitely had their chances. The Braves had chances to win all five of these games, but they do take three out of two, so not a disaster at all. They win the series in New York. And then they welcome the Milwaukee Brewers for a weekend set. And uh, they lose two out of three to the first place Brewers. Uh, They had opportunities to win all three of those games as well. Uh, During game one, which they lost, they led four to nothing after the first inning. And they lost nine to five. Uh, They win game two, eight to one. Dansby Swanson had a big night. Uh, Two homers, had a grand slam. And they lose game three, two to one in pretty frustrating fashion. Uh, very similar to some of the games of the Mets series. They lost a game 2-1 to one to the Mets after scoring 15 runs the night before. Uh, they lost one to nothing to the Mets. So the two games they lost in New York were pretty frustrating as well. But, um, yeah, pretty, pretty pedestrian week for the Braves. They did, however, make some MLB history um, by setting the record for most consecutive games without winning or losing back-to-back games. Um, so, yeah, since the All-Star break, the Braves have had 17 straight games without a two-game streak of wins or losses, which broke the record of the 2010 Rockies, the 1981 Dodgers, and the 1974 Phillies, which all had a 16-game streak. Uh, the Braves are at 17 and is still alive. Uh, they're in St. Louis this week, and if they win on Tuesday, that'll extend the streak to 18 games. So pretty uh, pretty interesting fact there that the Braves have done. Pretty on brand for this team also to do something like this. So um, hopefully the streak will be snapped with two straight wins this week at some point. But, um, you know, I'd rather them to keep alternating than to go on a losing streak. So I really don't even know what to think of it. Just kind of a weird thing that the the only this Braves team could do. So... Uh, that's enough from the actual game action, and we'll get into the moves that they made during Friday's deadline. Uh, they went 3-2 and two against the Mets, so that kind of opened the door for them to buy, and the first move they made as buyers at the deadline was for a corner outfielder from the Cleveland Indians slash Guardians slash Spiders slash baseball team. Uh, he goes by the name of Eddie Rosario, corner outfielder, uh, formerly of the Minnesota Twins. Um, had a really, really nice nice career to, to this point with the Twins. Um, he's got a career 778 OPS. Uh, in 2019, he had 32 home runs. Uh, he got signed this offseason by the Indians after being non-tendered by the Twins. And uh, the Indians trade him to the Braves and pretty much a salary dump because all the Braves had to give up was Pablo Sandoval. And um, that got Eddie over to Atlanta. The Indians also sent over some cash for Rosario uh, to help pay for the remainder of his contract. Um, So the Braves aren't on the hook for all of the money. Cleveland is paying a little bit of it, and the Braves will pay the rest. So 
really all this was is a very small scale salary dump for Cleveland as they're going to get off probably like a million and a half, two million dollars for the rest of the year for Rosario. Um, it is worth noting that he has not been very good this year and that he is currently on the injured list with a strained abdomen. So he'll be out for another two to three weeks before he can join the club. But on the year, numbers aren't incredibly great as they usually are with Rosario because for the past uh, four years, four or five years before this, he was an 800 OPS guy. But this year he's got a 685 OPS um, on base percentages at 296. Uh, he's only slugging 389 when his career slugging is 470. So he's definitely got some pop throughout his whole career, but it's not really translated this year. He's got seven homers. Um, he's batting 254, which is not 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 um, out of the ordinary for him. But um, the slugging being down is the one um, concern because this was a guy in 2019 who slugged 500 for the Twins, and he slugged 476 last year. Um, so he's definitely had some years where he's had some pop in the bat, can hit a lot of homers. Like I said, 32 of them in 2019. But that was the first of uh, four moves that the Braves made on Friday. Probably the least um, exciting one, I'd say, but probably the, or definitely the least, uh, the, 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 le the less the Braves had to give up, the least amount of prospect capital the Braves had to give up, which they gave up none because they just gave up Pablo Sandoval. And um, the Indians turned around like two hours later and released Pablo. So he's not even on the Indians anymore. Um, so, yeah, per, uh, salary dump for the Indians. They'll get Rosario for the Braves. Uh, move on to the next trade that the Braves made, which the Rosario trade and this trade kind of happened within like five minutes of each other. And this one was for old friend Adam Duvall. Uh, was on the Braves traded for him back in 2018 at the trade deadline. And um, they're trading for him again in 2021 because they non-tendered him during the offseason. He signed with the Marlins. And um, a deal, that's, a, that's a move that really blew up in the Braves' face, really backfired because of the entire outfield going down for a multitude of reasons for each guy. Um, the Braves could have used Adam Duvall all year, but um, I guess better late than never because they're trading for him now. They gave up Alex Jackson. Uh, he is the catcher for the Braves, um, still a prospect. He's, about, he's 25 years old. Um, he has not had any success at the major league level at all. Um, he has been pretty dreadful in his time, but he really hasn't had any consistent playing time in the big leagues. So you really can't um, put too much of that on him. He really hasn't had a chance to get adjusted to it yet or anything like that. So he'll go to Miami uh, for Duvall. He's been really good in AAA this year, actually. He's got a one dot over a one dot OPS with uh, the Stripers. So he's been really good in AAA. Um, but really no, nothing big you're giving up for Duvall here. Um, it is only one year of Duvall with a mutual option at the end of the year. So the Braves and Duvall both have to um, agree to pick up that option. So that is um, just like Jock Peterson. He has a mutual option for the end of the year too, and um, those usually do not get picked up. Uh, it just doesn't really happen because both sides have to be in agreement, but it definitely can happen. And um, I think the Braves should definitely pick it up themselves and see if Duvall would like to come back because it would just be not not a good look at all, especially if they did it back-to-back -back years of cutting Duvall loose and not even trying to get him back. Um, it just I feel like it would be bad karma, honestly, for the team because it really backfired on them this year. So a uh, good, good addition, another outfielder. And... Um, yeah, then we'll move on to the next trade that happened. Uh, there was a big gap in between trades, actually. These next two didn't get um, announced till after the 4 o'clock deadline. 
So it looked there for a minute that the Rays might be done, and all they got was Rosario and Duvall, which was kind of kind of head-scratching, but um, two more trades tripled in shortly after 4 o'clock on Friday, and the first one was for Jorge Soler of the Kansas City Royals. Um, he's another expiring contract. He's a free agent after this year, so a pure rental for the Braves. Um, Soler is a notorious power bat with Kansas City. Um, in 2019, he led the American League in home runs with 48, and he had a 922 OPS in 2019. As a 137 OPS plus. Um, in 2020, wasn't quite as good. Um, he did miss 17 of the 60 games in 2020. Only hit eight homers. Um, wasn't above average hitter though. Had a 107 OPS plus, but a big step down from the 137 the year before. And then uh, this year has not been very good at all. Really, he's been had a really tough season. Um, but after the trade deadline or after the All Star break. He has caught fire. Um, I'll pull up his numbers real quick for you. Since the deadline, um, he had been scorching, but before then he had been really, really dreadful on the year. Um, pretty, it's a pretty uh, popular name um, as far as power bats go. But um, yeah, he had been really bad. But I think his uh, resurgence after the All Star break really got him a deal, because um, after the All Star break, including his two games with the Braves. He has a 283 batting average, which is really solid. He's getting on base at a 389 clip, which is awesome. And he's slugging 696, which is incredible. <laughs> and that gives him a 1.85 OPS since the break. Um, he's got six homers in that span. Um, and that is a 14-game uh, sample size of 54 plate appearances that he has just been awesome so far. And he's been really good for the only two games with the Braves, but he's been really good for the Braves too. So hopefully he's just going to keep this hot, hot stretch going that he's had since the all-star break. Um, that if he could do that and be like 2019 Jorge Soler for the rest of the year, that is giant for the Braves. You really can't, um, you can't overstate how important that would be for this team. If, they could get a guy that in the next two months could maybe hit 15 home runs for him, and he could definitely do that. I think he's got the potential, and he's on a hot hot streak right now. But um, there's also the possibility that he just fizzles out and kind of returns to how he was the first half of the year, and it's not very good. But uh, that's, that's also a possibility. But hopefully he will um, be really good for the team and um, help them track down the Mets. Um, what the Braves gave up for Soler was a uh, pitching prospect that goes by the name of Casey Kalich. Um, I believe that's how you say his name. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, until it came across my timeline that the that's what the Braves traded for Soler, I had never heard of Casey Kalich. So. No disrespect to Casey, but um, yeah, I've just never heard of him before um, out of all the Braves prospects. But uh, best of luck to him in Kansas City, and as a reason, as a fine, um, fine return uh, for Kansas City, I'm fine with the Braves sending that over for Soler, a very low level prospect, nothing major, uh, given up for Jorge. So, yeah, pretty, pretty, probably the most interesting guy that the Braves traded for the, um, this trade deadline. Definitely um, a really high upside for him, but also some real downside. So we'll move on to the next move, and that was for a relief pitcher, which that was what kind of everybody was waiting for. After they um, 
traded for Rosario and Duvall, especially. Like, okay, we're just going to add a reliever, and that'll be it. But then they did, they did add Slayer, another outfielder. So they got three outfielders, and they got a reliever, and it's Richard Rodriguez from the Pittsburgh Pirates, and he has been pretty good this year. And the one thing about Rodriguez is that he is not a rental. The Braves will have him for 2022 and 2023 if they choose to uh, tender him a contract for both of those years. So two more years of team control and arbitration. Um, and this was the most significant prospect package that the Braves had to give up. Um, they traded away Bryce Wilson and Ricky DeVito for Richard Rodriguez. So Bryce Wilson is um, well-known around Brave with Braves fans. Um, he has been in the big leagues with the Braves since 2018, um, going back and forth between Atlanta and AAA. Um, he obviously had the awesome Game 4 start in the NLCS where he outpitched Clayton Kershaw. That is definitely his one shining moment with the Braves. He was absolutely awesome that game. Um, but he has not been very good this year. His, his Actually, his most recent start against the Padres was pretty good, but that was, that's really his only solid start of the year. He had been pretty meh this year. Um, he really he really needs a third pitch. Um, he's just really, he's a two pitch guy right now, and it just really hasn't been working out for him. But um, he's still he's still very young. He's 23 years old, and uh, maybe a change of scenery in Pittsburgh. Well, he'll get the pitch every fifth day um, with the major league team will be uh, good for him, and maybe he'll figure it out. And Ricky Devito, he is a he's a he's a prospect that hasn't hit the big leagues yet. Um, pull up his numbers real quick. Um, I believe he is still in double A with Atlanta or in high A. Um, let me pull that up real quick. He's 22 years old, um, and he is in a, yeah, he's in high A ball with the Braves this year in Rome. Um, he has been pretty he's been pretty good in high A this year. He's got a force of 2.66 ERA of over 20 innings. Um, he's he's been making starts, five starts for him, no appearances out of the bullpen. So that is what the Braves other the other um, move the Braves made for. Um, Rich Rodriguez, and that is the what they shipped out of Atlanta for him. So, those are the moves that the Braves made. Um, and in addition to Jock Peterson, which they made a couple weeks ago, uh, they added four outfielders um, before the trade deadline. So, the Braves got a bunch of outfielders. Um, they they obviously they've got all the trades. They've got Solaire, Duvall, Rosario, Peterson. They still got Heredia. You got Almonte and Adrianza. Um, who is an infielder that can also play the outfield. They did send down Orlando Arcia to AAA to make room for Soler and Duvall and all the, all, the, all the new guys. So, yeah, all in all, I think the Braves did pretty good in the deadline. They, I mean, the most, the, the most significant name they give up was Bryce Wilson. And if, if you're, if you're going to give up Bryce Wilson, it's, it's going to be for a guy with a couple years of control. That's perfectly fine with me. Um, Ricky DeVito too. He's not a super high level prospect. He's been good in high A this year, but that's high A. It's not the big leagues. Uh, so, yeah, perf I'm perfectly fine with all the, the movies the Braves made. Uh, and those are the ones that they did make. Now we'll get into the ones that they didn't make and the ones that they were kind of linked to of uh, some um, big, big name players, actually, a couple of them. Uh, the first one is Joey Gallo. Um, he ended up getting dealt to the Yankees, but it was reported that the Braves were a finalist for Joey Gallo. Um, that was a move that uh, he had always kind of been tied to the Braves as kind of just like a dream uh, a trade that the team could make. Um, but it does look like that the Braves were in on him and 
were, were a finalist. And he is a guy that w- does make sense for Atlanta because he was not a rental. Um, he is under control for next year as well, 2022. So he'll go to the Yankees and be with them for the rest of this year and all of next year. Um, the next guy that they were sort of linked to, he didn't end up getting traded actually, was Byron Buxton of the Minnesota Twins. Um, Byron Buxton has been awesome this year. He's been playing at MVP level when he has been healthy, but he has not been healthy much this year, and that is the issue. Uh, the Braves were reportedly in on him. Um, as long as some other teams, the Twins were shopping him around, but he ultimately did not get traded at the deadline. So those are just the two names that the Braves um, were linked to, a couple of outfielders that um, had some team control beyond this year. Uh, so a pretty pretty uh, pretty big deal if the Braves did make those moves, but they didn't. They still made some solid additions to the outfield and the bullpen, I think, though, without doing that. And this might not, this might just, this might not be the year that the Braves just make their big splash because just how the team is struggling. Maybe they'll do it in the offseason. Maybe they'll wait till next year's deadline. Um, well, that remains to be seen. The Braves have never made their big splash under Anthopolis, whether it be a big trade or a big free agent signing. So, yeah, well, we'll wait and wait for the day that that happens, but it was not this deadline. But the Braves still made some good moves, and they definitely made the team better. So that'll be it for the Braves portion of the show. Now we'll move on to the Atlanta Hawks. We had a pretty uh, busy week. Uh, they had the draft on Thursday night, and I think the Hawks did excellent during the draft. They got two guys that fell to them, and I think it's tremendous value for both of them considering the uh, caliber of players that they have the potential of being. Um, two very intriguing prospects. Uh, the Hawks had the 20th pick and the 48th pick in this year's draft. They did not trade up or down, even though there were some rumors that the Hawks were looking to trade up in the draft and were willing to trade Cam Reddish to do so. Um, I'm not a huge fan of that, um, but they didn't do it, thankfully. And they stayed put at 20, and they got Jalen Johnson out of Duke, who is a preseason preseason of college basketball was projected to be a top five pick in the draft but he um he went to duke he had a foot injury and he opted out of the rest of the season for duke so um, i'm sure that had something to do with um his his draft stock going down a bit um the kind of the story going into the draft was like who was going to fall to the hawks and I don't, I don't think anyone thought that Jalen Johnson was going to fall all the way to 20, but he did, and the Hawks took him, and I'm perfectly fine with it. Um, he's a six foot nine small forward. Like I said, he went to Duke. He's still 19 years old, um, and he, he's had, he's had his issues. Um, the Hawks have, the Trevor Slink actually came out and said that they talked to him about um, the thing at Duke of him opting out, and um, also during his high school days, he transferred schools quite a bit. I don't know the exact number, but it was he transferred like two or three times in high school. So um, just like commitment issues, I guess nothing like serious off the court matters or anything, but I guess just like commitment issues. Um, but that's high school and college. This is NBA is actually going to be getting paid. Um, probably was getting paid to go to Duke, honestly, but he's going to get paid um, a lot more money now that he's with Atlanta. Um, but yeah, tr- a really good value for the Hawks. Um, you can slot, try to slot him in the rotation, another another um, strong wing that they could deploy, um, along with DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Kevin Herter. Um, so you can also stretch him to play power forward as well. Um, there is some there was some talk that you could maybe stretch him to be a uh, small ball center, but Travis Schlink said that they didn't plan on doing that. Uh, they liked him as a uh, combo forward. So, and I I tend to agree with that. Um, 
that they could do that um, with uh, some small ball lineups and put him at the center. But um, I'm not a huge fan of that. I kind of keep him at the three, um, put him at the four, two. Um, if you're assuming you have John Collins, um, you could put him as the backup power forward if you would like to do that. But um, that'll be up, uh, up for the decision of Nate McMillan and the front office. And that also um, has a lot to do with if John Collins is coming back, which uh, free agency does open up today. So today at 6 o'clock. And uh, there's also some reporting over the weekend from Adrian Wojnarowski that uh, there was optimism that the Hawks and John Collins would sign a deal right as right during the beginning of free agency. So that's a little bit off topic from the draft, but that was reported during the draft also. I just remembered that. So I think thought I should share that, that there is optimism that they are going to come to a deal, um, which is what I thought. So um, we will see what happens tonight with that. Now we'll move on to the Hawks' second pick in the draft, and that was Sharif Cooper out of Auburn. Uh, Sharif is a point guard out of Auburn. He is um, a smaller guard. He's six foot, or six foot one listed as, but um, you know probably around six foot in reality. Uh, he's twenty years old. Just turned twenty back in June. Um, went to Auburn, and he um, was pretty much uh, the consensus best uh, passer in the entire draft. Um, probably one of the better playmakers in the entire draft, but just the one knock on Sharif is that he has struggled to develop a jump shot. He can't shoot very well. He didn't shoot very well at Auburn, but he is one of the, probably the best passer in the draft. And the Hawks got him at 48. Um, he was mocked to go around where the Hawks were picking at 20th, which um, there were some rumors around if could the Hawks get Sharif Cooper at 20, or would they take him at 20 because he was definitely going to be available. I didn't want the Hawks to pick him at 20. Um, I wasn't a fan of that because you can't really play him alongside Trey Young. I mean, he would be a nice backup, but not off not off the bat. He would have to definitely get get some more experience under him for him to be the full time backup in the rotation. So I didn't love taking him at twenty, but him falling to forty eight, I was over the moon about him at forty eight. Um, the fact that he fell that far was very bizarre. Um, you know, and it's really just to do with the height and the lack of shooting. But this guy, he's he's first round talent, and you got him at forty eight. He's top twenty talent, and you got him at forty eight. So, I, I'm perfectly fine with that. He he scored. He can get to the rim. He scored a lot at Auburn. Averaged over twenty points a game in his one year at Auburn. Um, so he he can get to the rim. Um, there, there's no really question about that. The he's a great ball handler, and he can really make his way through through the lane, very much like Trey Young can. Um, he is very similar to Trey Young. Very similar as as far as the passing goes and the ball handling and getting into the paint for layups and lobs to other players, which that would be fantastic addition. Another another pick and roll guy that you can throw up lobs to Collins, Capella, and Akongwe when he comes back. But uh, the one knock on him is the jump shot, and um, that's something that can it can be worked out. It definitely can, but um, it's probably it's going to be work in progress with him. Uh, can't really shoot a three, but um, you, it's definitely something that the Hawks can work the kinks out with and um, turn him into a proficient shooter and uh, get him on the right path to potentially being the backup point guard here pretty soon. So two really, really good draft picks for the Hawks. And this was a draft where the Hawks just really didn't have to make a big hit or anything like that because they, they, they've done so well in the previous years and they've built up so much depth through the draft. And um, I really wasn't expecting the Hawks to like come out of the draft with just two super high upside guys, but I think I mean I couldn't, I couldn't have uh, thought that uh, the Hawks the Hawks couldn't have done better. I think um, especially with staying put, staying put, 
this is really just the dream scenario for Hawks fans. Um, they could have traded up and gotten a, a guy that fell a little bit into the mid-teens like Moses Moody. Um, there, there was some speculation if they were going to do that, but they didn't. They stay put, and they got Jalen Johnson, and they got Shreve Cooper. And for a 20th and 40th pick, the value there is tremendous. And um, I really can't overstate how how um, valuable these two guys could be for the Hawks in the future. So really good night for the Hawks. Um, they've added a lot. They add a lot of, of potential depth to an already team that is really deep and full of young talent. Um, the player, the young, the young player pool that the Hawks have is just kind of insane. Especially if they bring back John Collins, like the under twenty five that the Hawks have um, after draft night is just absurd. And they're probably they they I mean they bring back Collins. Even if they don't bring back Collins, they still probably have the best young core in the league by far. And um, that's really exciting for Hawks fans, especially for a team that was two games away from the finals with this young core. And you know if Trey Young doesn't get hurt, they might be in the finals and they might have won it. And it's. It's really exciting. The Hawks are super excited. I'm ready for the season to start already because they've just got a lot more fun, I think, with these two draft picks. So we'll move on um, from there. The Hawks also made a trade on on Friday, day after the draft. Um, and uh, the first – it started off as a two-team two team trade, and it uh, tr- shortly thereafter was reported that it was actually a three-team trade. So the first report was that the Celtics traded Tristan Thompson – to Atlanta for Chris Dunn in a 2023 second-round pick, and also Bruno Fernando was added to that um, shortly after. So it seemed like the Hawks had plugged their um, backup center hole that they needed to fill after a Kongu got hurt. And uh, the, um, I kind of put my phone down and uh, didn't look at it for a while. And then I got picked up my phone and back up an hour later, and it um, was reported that it was actually a three-team deal with the Sacramento Kings, and that they were sending Tristan Thompson to the Kings as part of the, th- part of the three-way deal, and that the Hawks were getting back a point guard, uh, Dellen Wright, from the Kings, and that would be um, a potential backup point guard option for the Hawks. Um, so it went from having your backup center to having your backup point guard. There's two holes that the Hawks needed to fill. Um, so I guess they used Tristan as a, as a, um, a vehicle to get to Dellen Wright. Uh, Dellen Wright on the Kings last year, but um, wasn't with the Kings all year last year. Was actually started the year with the Detroit Pistons. Um, he averaged around 10 points a game. Um, when he got to Sacramento last year, he was actually shooting 40% from three, um, which is uh, pretty encouraging for him. But I don't think he's the, the slam dunk um, backup point guard option. Um, obviously, like I said, they have Shreve Cooper, who has the upside to take over that role um, as early as this year, I think. And um, they also have. There's also been reports about Lou Williams. Um, he said that he's seeking a two to three year deal. Um, I don't know how interested the Hawks would be in giving him that kind of deal, but um, that remains to be seen. So I don't know if they'll bring back Lou now that they have Dellen Wright, but it's still definitely an option if they wanted to. And they also have Sharif Cooper. So yeah, pretty an interesting trade for the Hawks. It would have been interesting either way with Tristan Thompson or Dellen Wright, but. Um, they get their backup, a backup point guard option at least for right now, and they still have to fill the hole at backup center. And I expect they'll do that during free agency, um, as well as hopefully signing John Collins, which um, could happen as soon as tonight. Um, free agency, like I said, opens up at uh, six o'clock tonight. Um, also, the rookie contract um, extensions um, are also eligible to be offered after midnight tonight. So. That includes Trey Young and Kevin Herter. 
Um, I'm expecting Trey Young to get a max contract this offseason. So that could happen as soon as midnight tonight. But um, I don't expect it to happen that quick. Um, and also an extension for Kevin Herter could also be coming as well. So that'll be all up in the future, um, along with John Collins and um, the whatever they're going to do at backup center and free agency, which they could make another trade, but I'm expecting them to just go get a maybe a league minimum guy just to kind of fill the hole until Okongo comes back. I don't think they're going to really invest too much into – oh, sorry, my dog's barking um, – into the backup center option, especially with it just being a temporary – roll until a Kong gets back so well that'll do it for the show today if you made it this far i appreciate you for listening and um, i'll be back next monday with an episode and i will see you then